Well, good morning. Good morning. Glad you're all here. I think we all had a wonderful time last night. Here we are on a gorgeous day in the beautiful Alps of Europe. I'm very excited to have you here today and I'm very excited to share this information with you. Today, we're going to be talking about how to make all your dreams come true. How to manifest whatever desire that you have and make those desires actually happen in your life. And most importantly, make those desires happen incredibly fast. Today's session is entitled, Your Wish is Your Command. And tomorrow, we'll be talking about how anyone can make millions the money-making secrets they don't want you to know about. Today, we're going to be talking about how all of you can have your own Aladdin's lamp and how all of you at any time you want in your life can call forth your own genie that can grant you your every wish. Now that sounds like a tall order, I know, but it's true. I think you've seen just in the last few days, as we've been getting to know each other and socializing a little bit in this absolutely stunning, amazing setting, that the reality that you've seen with your own eyes and touch with your own hands, the physical manifestations of the things, the desires, the hopes, the dreams are here and they're real. And they're available not just to me and some of the people that you've met, <clears throat> some of the surprise people that you've met, I know. I know some of you are blown away by uh, some of the men and women that I brought with me that you've had a chance to uh, shake hands with and talk to. And I know all of you uh, in talking to me were blown away by these individuals, many of whom are incredibly well-known all around the world and to meet them face-to-face -face and actually hear from them in ways that you have never heard from them before really is mind-blowing. And We have a great day planned, a lot of information planned. Many of you as we go through this material will have many, many questions. If you do have a question at any time, just raise your hand. You can give me your question. None of you have microphones. So when you give me the question, I will repeat the question so that those who are getting these CDs later on will have a chance to hear the question and, and hear the answer as well. First thing I want to talk about is we're going to be covering information today on how to manifest your desires, how to make whatever desire you want happen and happen fast with incredible speed. And tomorrow we're specifically going to be talking about money. 
But today we're really not going to be talking specifically about money, although it'll be intertwined a little bit because one of your desires may be to have a lot of money or to have nicer cars or to have a nicer home or as some of you just were blown away by where we're at, we're at right now. <laughs> You're like, I want this. I want the castle. I want, I want the Rolls Royces and I want the Ferraris and I want the helicopters and I want the, 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 the luxury cuisine and the private chefs and the butlers and I want the clothes and the jewelry and oh my God, I want the lifestyle. I want the freedom. I want to uh, not have to go to work every day. And some of you have all these different desires and dreams in terms of monetary things, material things. And tomorrow we're gonna to be talking about how to make money. And obviously with money you can do a lot of things. But today we're gonna to be talking about how to achieve your desires. How to, how to get whatever desire you want in life to happen and happen fast. Now I wanna talk about desires, but the first thing I wanna talk about is who do you listen to when this type of information is presented? Now. There are, if you go to the library, if you go online and, and uh, Google, Amazon or whatever, uh, there are virtually thousands of books. Now, all of you, your primary language is English. So a lot of you are familiar with English authors when it comes to manifesting your desires, making your dreams come true. But uh, most, most of you don't know that there are many authors in many different countries that write the same material and many of these authors who have written books on these subjects these books have not been translated into English so there are books in Russian there are books in, in Chinese and books in Japanese uh, in the, the Hindi languages uh, there are books in Spanish German uh, all languages virtually all around the world so when you look at just the English-speaking books, there are thousands of English-speaking books or books written in English uh, about how to make your dreams come true and about how to make money. But there are thousands and thousands more written in other languages that uh, English-speaking people never even know about. So the bottom line is there's a lot of information out there <clears throat> that's been published in books. There's also a huge amount of information that has been recorded on CDs in home study courses. And there's a lot of information presented in lectures, workshops, or seminars by various people on how to make your dreams come true. Now, I was just listening recently to a, a series of CDs produced by a group, um, and I'm not going to mention their name. I don't want to down anybody in particular. But this was a, a large CD set. It was like $1,000 and um, two-day lecture. I think it was 15 CDs. Actually, I'm holding it in my hand here. Some of you may run up and check it out later. Uh, but the, the, the goofy thing is, and I say this with all due respect, the goofy thing is when you listen to various people talking about how to make their dream, how to make your dreams come true, how to manifest your desires, how to make your wishes, your hopes, actually manifest in the physical universe right before your eyes. How to make whatever you want to have happen, happen. When you, when you read these books and listen to these people, 
a lot of the stuff actually sounds pretty good. A lot of it is amazingly logical and it sounds good. And the problem is you begin to believe what you're hearing. Now, here's the challenge. If that stuff really worked that those people are teaching, has it worked for them? Do they have their desires? Do they have in their life what they want? Do they have Aladdin's lamp? Do they have their genie that they can ask whatever they want and it magically happens in their life? It actually occurs in their life. And the answer is, overwhelmingly, with rare exception, no. The people that are teaching you are teaching you theory. They're not giving you information that really works in real life because they don't have the evidence themselves that what they're teaching actually works. Now you're looking around here and I know all of you are just blown away because there's, there's opulence here. I mean, the Alps all around us, the, the, the glorious uh, area that we're in, the luxury accommodations, and you know this is not available to the public. So, you know, and you know that this is something that the public never really sees. Cameras don't come in here. You're not gonna see this location and, and these facilities on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous because we don't give access. It's, oh, it's almost too opulent. Now, when you think about that, what you're looking at is the real physical manifestation of various people's hopes, dreams, desires that have really happened in real life and you're, you're, you're seeing it with your own eyes and touching it with your own hands. So it's easier for you to have that level of belief that this stuff really works because you're seeing the manifestation. You've met a bunch of the folks here that uh, have come. So the question is, who do you listen to? And why should you listen to me? And why should you believe what I'm going to be sharing with you today and tomorrow? For those of you listening on the CDs, you know, is this information going to be different and unique than what you've maybe uh, learned or experienced before? And does it really work? And should you listen? Well, I would suggest, you know, you, unfortunately those listening on the CDs aren't here, they can't see it, but you, you, this really does work. It works amazingly well. And it works for everyone who applies it. And it is easy to apply. It's easy to learn and it's easy to apply. Will you apply it? I do not know. That's going to be your choice. We will talk about why you may not apply it and how to correct that problem. Because a lot of people that go to seminars, a lot of people that listen to CDs on how to achieve success or riches, how to make money or how to be happy, uh, how to have more confidence, how to make their dreams come true in real life, how to get whatever they want, how to make whatever they want happen in real life. Any type of book that you read about this, many people have blocks and stoppages that allow them to only go a certain, to a certain level and then stop and they don't go any further. So we'll talk about how to overcome that and why that occurs. But who do you listen to? 
when you, when you talk about money tomorrow, the question is, who do you listen to when you want to learn how to make money? If you look at every course, every, read every book on how to get rich, 99% of the books written on how to get rich and the courses taught on how to get rich and the seminars and lectures and workshops taught and the CD home study courses that you can buy on how to get rich, 99.9% .9 of them are produced by people who've never made any real money. Now that's really important because if what they were teaching works so well, why ain't they super rich? Now today we're not talking about money. Tomorrow we'll be talking about money. But again, who do you listen to? Now some people say, well, you know, there's books written by Donald Trump. You know, he's a, a multi-billionaire. There are books written by Warren Buffett. He's one of the richest men in the world. Well, that's true. So they actually have achieved super wealth. So then the question is this, and this is a very important question that most people never discuss or talk about. If somebody is super wealthy and they actually write a book on how to get rich, did you know that they themselves did not write that book? Now this is really important. Warren Buffett never wrote a book. Donald Trump never wrote a book. Now I respect both of those guys incredibly well, but they've never written a book. What they do is they sit down with a ghostwriter. The ghostwriter asks them a bunch of questions, interviews them a little bit, and the ghostwriter writes the book. That's the first problem. So you're not getting the true information. As a matter of fact, Donald Trump never read any book that he wrote. <laughs> he didn't write it and he didn't even read it. He didn't even know what's in it. Same thing with Warren Buffett, same thing with Bill Gates. They don't write their books, they don't read their books, they don't even know what's in their books. So you're not really getting their information. The other thing that's really important for you to understand, and I'll just touch on it now, you'll see more about this today and tomorrow, is that the super wealthy, and you're gonna have a hard time believing this, but it's true, the super wealthy with a rare exception, and Andrew Carnegie, by the way, was one of the rare exceptions. Andrew Carnegie started U.S. Steel. At the turn of the century, he was the richest man on planet Earth. He was an exception to this rule. And there were several others that were exceptions as well. But generally, the super wealthy, absolutely, categorically, do not want anyone else to know their secrets of success. They do not want competition. As a matter of fact, the super wealthy, overwhelmingly, categorically, throughout history, have always believed that wealth is genetic. That you have to have a certain genetic makeup, a certain DNA structure, a certain DNA vibration in order to be wealthy. And if you don't fall into that category, you're not entitled to wealth. You're not entitled to know the secrets. And even if you did, they believe, you wouldn't be able to apply it anyway because your genetics aren't programmed for success. Now, some of you may have a hard time believing that, but that throughout history has been true. As a matter of fact, Donald Trump even said it when you ask him, what is the key to success? And he goes, genetics. He actually said, genetics. You're born with it. He actually said it. Henry Ford said it. Go back and look at the movie, uh, uh, Titanic, at the turn of the century. 
you had the first class cabin and then you had the second class and third class people. And they never dined together, they never socialized together. And listen to some of those, those conversations. If you read books back in the 1800s, 1700s, or, or even the turn of the century, and you listen to wealthy people like Henry Ford, they always believed that privilege, wealth, was specifically designed and meant to be exclusive to the elite class of people. And that's why they never married outside of their class. The class meaning they had to be wealthy. So if you had a daughter, your daughter had to marry somebody who was from a wealthy family, who had the proper genetics. In England, we call it blue bloods. So throughout history, genetics was a major key. So the point I'm trying to make is the super wealthy around the world will never tell you this publicly, but they believe that the secrets of success, the knowledge that they have, should be kept exclusively within their groups. And that's why secret societies were put together. There are many secret societies that aren't so secret. Uh, the Freemasons was one of the most uh, prevalent throughout history. And you can go to virtually any city around the world, or specifically in America, and you see Masonic lodges. They're huge. Many of them today are turned into, uh, in Chicago, for example, the beautiful Masonic lodge downtown, I think is a Bloomingdale's now. So there were a, a massive, beautiful structures, Masonic lodges, where Masons would gather and share their secrets. And there were varying degrees in the Masons. Uh, some of you are familiar with the phrase, um, you're giving the guy the third degree. Well, that comes from the Freemasons, because when you got to the third degree, you were, uh, had a series of questions asked you. You were drilled with questions. That's one of the procedures done at the third degree. The highest level in the Masons is 33 degree. Now, some of you met our friend um, who was a 33-degree Mason, and he's come forth to share his knowledge and give this information from the Masonic Lodge that never has never been before released. So the information you're getting today is obviously from the people that you've met and myself and, and so forth. So secret societies were put together where the elite class could, could meet with one another and share their secrets and keep those secrets first amongst their families, but secondly amongst their peers, people within their, quote, genetic pool. That's the history. Now, I'm not a racist and I'm not saying any things about whether this is true or not true. I'm just giving you kind of a history lesson here. So who do you listen to? Well, you can't listen to people who write the books. You can't listen to people who teach the seminars because 99% of them really don't know this information. They're making it up. They're, they're believing that what they're saying is true, but they're teaching you theory. And those theories really don't work because in their life, they haven't proved that they have worked because they don't have the results to show. It's all theory. You can't listen to people who are writing books on how to get rich because 99% of them, number one, aren't rich. Those that do have some money don't have hundreds of millions of dollars, so they're not super rich and they're teaching you how to get rich. But when you ask them how did they make the money that they have, they may make a 
a million dollars a year or half a million dollars a year or $300,000 a year, which a lot of you think is huge money. And I have to tell you, that's not huge money. But when you ask these people, how did they make their money? They will tell you that they made all their money teaching people how to make money. So all they're doing is they're salesmen. They're selling books and tapes and seminars. They've never really done anything in real life at all. There's a, a book my wife was uh, reading uh, that's in Russian. It's not translated into English. And this book is a series of books by this Russian author. And the last book is a book on money, on how to make money. It's only in Russian currently. My publishing company may be in the process of uh, translating that into English. Because the last book about money, the author said, I wrote this book about money years ago, and I decided not to publish it until I became super wealthy. Because using this information, if it was true, then I would be able to make huge amounts of money. And then after I used my own information and the information I learned from others to make huge money, then I would publish the book because then I wouldn't need the money from the royalties of the book. I would give them away, which is exactly what he did. He became super wealthy and then he published the book, which makes a lot of sense. So who do you listen to? You can't listen to people who write books on how to make your desires come true or produce home study courses on CD or teach seminars because 99% of them, it hasn't worked in, the, in real life. You can't listen to people who teach you how to make money in books and seminars. Now, not that all of them are bad. I'm going to actually give you a bunch of stuff that, that, that's really good, but you don't have to waste your time on the junk because the people who write this stuff, they ain't rich. They don't make, haven't made hundreds of millions of dollars. It hasn't worked for them and they made all their money teaching you how to make money. So they're giving you really bad information. And you can't read books by the super wealthy, like the Warren Buffetts of the world or the Donald Trumps or the Bill Gates because number one, they don't write their own books. They don't even know the information that's in there. So you're not getting information directly from them. Number one, and number two, they will never tell you this. They'll deny it, but it's true. They do not want you to know the true secrets because they do not want competition. As a matter of fact, and this will scare you, but it's true, what they will categorically do is they will give you wrong information so that you will achieve a little bit of success, but not that much success. Isn't that interesting? They'll give you a little bit of success, but not that much success. So they'll give you wrong information on purpose to virtually sabotage your ultimate success to keep you as a worker instead of that which is making ultimately millions. So who do you listen to? Well, some of you are saying, well, I know what you're saying. Uh, you, should, you should listen to me. <laughs> Actually, no, I didn't invent any of this information. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. I'm just the teacher. I learned this information. None of it's mine. I've learned it, I've applied it, and I've taught it. Where did I get this information from? And where is the information that you're going to be receiving today and tomorrow? Where did it come from?
Why mention secret societies? Nothing to be scared about when we talk about secret societies. <clears throat> no conspiracy theories, no mystical stuff, no Satan worshiping, nothing like that. Just a group of people would get together and basically share information within, quote, the gene pool. That's really what it comes down to. And again, this is historical facts. The elite class set up societies where they could work together and benefit one another as a group. They believed that wealth <clears throat> and they believed that this knowledge should be kept amongst themselves and they believed that it was genetic in nature. And so they set up societies. Freemasons, as I mentioned, was one. Uh, a very famous one is at Yale University. Yale University, very famous American university, uh, has a society called the Skull and Bones. Now, the Skull and Bones has a uh, building. You can see it. People go in and out of the building, and they meet at places. It's common knowledge. If you're a member of the Skull and Bones, you don't hide it. You're proud of that membership. President Bush, John Kerry, the senator, many politicians, Supreme Court justices. As a matter of fact, the CIA was started by the Skull and Bones. Uh, there's a great movie with Matt Damon about that called The Good Shepherd. Watch it. You can see a little bit about the Skull and Bones. It talks a, lo a little bit about that. And they give you some inside information of how the meetings work and how the networking works amongst members. So there are lots of secret societies all around the world. The Illuminati is one. And one of the largest ones, <clears throat> which is actually kind of at the, at the pinnacle, is called the Brotherhood. And the Brotherhood is a unique society because it, it keeps its membership very secret and it keeps its existence very secret. Many members of Skull and Bones are also members of the Brotherhood. Many members of Freemasons, when they reach uh, 33 degree, bec become members of the Brotherhood, of the Illuminati, and various other organizations around the world become members of the Brotherhood. <clears throat> it is a society of people that have gotten together that share information and share secret knowledge of how the universe works and how this planet works and how as a human being you can be happy, healthy and make your desires come true and go through this life in an exciting, joyous, adventurous, fulfilling way based on your desires and your wishes. Now that's key. It's your desires and your wishes. Now, every person on the planet has different desires and different dreams and different wishes. Some of you think that whatever dream you have, everyone shares the same dream. That's not true. Some of you think that every desire that you have, everyone should have the same desire. And that's not true. Guess what? Some of you are looking around this place and, say, and saying, I want this, you know, oh my God, I want this. And other of, you, other of you are saying, this is too big. I don't want 200 st staff members working for me. 
So each one of you have a different desire. Some of your, your desire is to have a log cabin. And that's where you want to live and have a, a little, little, you know, garden out in the back. Some of your desire is just to have a nice small little home with a, with a brand new car. And that's your desire and that's your dream and that's your wish and, and that's what you want to do. Some of you have dreams of being the best parent in the world. Some of you have a dream of being the best policeman in the world. Some of you have a dream of being a happy, wonderful fireman. Some of you want to be a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or a pharmacist or uh, a, a, a surgeon. Some of you have different goals. Some of you want to be a great cook. Some of you have different dreams and goals. There is no reason to think that every person has a dream or a goal of being a billionaire. And there's nothing wrong with not wanting to be a billionaire. Very few people actually have that desire. So what we're going to be sharing with you is how to make whatever your desire and your dream come true. So these societies got together and shared this information so that people could, could follow their bliss, follow their motivation. They could follow their heart's content. They could make whatever dreams they had in their own life come true. And that's how this information was shared. And a lot of this information comes, goes back thousands of years. Some of the manuscripts that I've actually read as part of the group were on yellowing paper, hundreds and hundreds of years old. Some of it was translated down from manuscripts that were over a thousand years old uh, in different languages and had to be translated into uh, other languages and so forth. And it's all not in English. There's manuscripts from these societies that are in German, that are in Russian, uh, that are in ancient languages as well. Hebrew, uh, Arabic, Greek, uh, Latin. So a lot of the stuff is, again, it's not new material. It's been used throughout history and over time the information has been codified, it has been simplified, and it has been put in uh, easier to understand formats. That always happens with information over time. It becomes simpler and simpler and simpler. So the information you're going to get today and tomorrow, it's not mine. It is a collective group of, of people over thousands of years who've put this together through trial and error. Uh, where it actually originated from, I'm not going to get into that today. That's open for discussion and we can discuss that. That's maybe uh, uh, over a lot of people's heads, their level of belief or understanding. But the bottom line is the information is used today by an incredibly small group of people when you compare it to the five plus billion people on planet Earth today. A small group of people have had access to this information. And those who do have access to this information and use this information have an amazing life and have lived an amazing life. And it's not just about things. It's about uh, the inner feeling, waking up full of wonder of uh, the planet that we live in in our life and, and how just to uh, fulfill our desires and, and be happy and enjoy and experience exhilaration 
fulfillment and ultimate happiness and bliss. And for some of you, having your own private jet, and you've seen a, a lot of them here, <laughs> uh, is your bliss. And for some of you, you have no interest in a private jet. Uh, your bliss is being able to fly first class once in a while. And that's perfectly fine. There's no uh, right and wrong when it comes to desires. Whatever your desire is, is your desire. So who do you listen to? Well, I would suggest that you listen to people who have what you want. Listen to people who have what you want. And this information comes from people who have done it. It's proven. It has passed the test of time. It works. It works better and faster than anything else out there. And this is the first time in history where this information is being revealed and released on a large-scale basis. And I can tell you there's, there's a very, very few people, very few, who are excited to have this information out. One of the first people in known history that felt that like this information should be let out was Andrew Carnegie, the richest man in the world, who had this information, who was also a member of the Brotherhood. Andrew Carnegie, as I mentioned, started U.S. Steel. And up until when he did that, by the way, Henry Ford, who was also one of the richest men in the world, who was also a member, he went crazy. He was one of the most uh, vocal people against Andrew Carnegie sharing this information outside of the elite class and outside of the members of the various societies. So when I decided to leave the Brotherhood and share this information, I was met by violent opposition, uh, extreme negative opposition, and for a lot of reasons we'll discuss later. But several people in various groups, like our 33 degree members of the Masons who are here, uh, the members of the Illuminati that have come out, other members of the Brotherhood, several members of Skull and Bones, they've all come out and back to back me up and show their support, which is why they're here, to meet with you. Because they know this information and they're validating and verifying that this information is true and accurate and by their own lives, what they have in their own lives, what they've, what they've achieved in their own lives and in their own families, you can see firsthand that this is the real deal. It isn't smoke and mirrors, but it's the real deal. More so than anything else out there from any other CD series or seminar or book or teacher or guru or whatever, you're seeing that this is the real deal on a scale like you've never imagined before. When you're looking at members of royal families, the richest people on the planet, the people that control the flow of oil, the people that control the flow of information through the media, 
control food, you're looking at the people that control the planet. And that's who you've had a chance to meet, the individual people and their families. So you can see that this is truly something special that you're about to hear and learn. So who do you listen to? <laughs> I would suggest that the information you're going to get is going to be mind-blowing, eye-opening, ridiculously simplistic to the point of surprise for many of you. I can't believe it's so easy. Yeah, but there are a lot of nuances that make it work. But it is easy, incredibly easy to apply and the results should happen for you faster than you could ever dream possible. So let's talk about a few things first. First, you're going to learn a lot of information. Again, the information that I'm going to be sharing with you in just two days is just the thumbnail sketch, kind of a bird's eye view. I can't give you everything today and tomorrow that I've learned over 35 years and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of training. Now, by the way, when you're in societies, how is the training actually given to one another? It's actually not done in classrooms. It is done in some workshops such as this, some seminars and some lectures, absolutely. A lot of the information, however, is taught to you via books where you actually have to read things. Uh, the reason I point that out is today, very few people read. And one of the interesting decisions made by society members, and this has been throughout history, by the way, is when you have the elite class who have information, they want to keep that information to themselves so that they, don't, they do not have competition. Throughout the history of the world, the ruling classes, the elite class of people that had this knowledge they wanted to keep the knowledge to themselves so they didn't have competition. The way to do that was, first and foremost, keep the masses illiterate. If we can keep the masses unable to read, then we will keep them outside of this ability to get this knowledge which is one of the reasons why in schools around the world reading levels are continuing to go down. Now throughout history uh, the majority of the population was illiterate. In today's society we have schools so we think oh everybody's, everybody can read and write. It's not really true. In America for example phonics which was um, taught in all schools was taken out of the schools and replaced with a method called the look-see method. And this makes sure that kids can't really read. So reading is, is diminishing over time. It's going down, 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 down. So we learn this information within the societies primarily from reading. And reading is something that is really overlooked. 
but knowledge that comes through reading is quite different than through any other method. Leaders are always readers. If you look at the leaders of countries around the world, if you look at the billionaires around the world, if you look at the captains of industry around the world, they always are massive readers. They read, read, read all the time. Now think about that. I mentioned to you that I learned this information and information is shared within societies primarily through reading. So when you see somebody who is a ferocious reader, ask yourself, hmm, I wonder if he's a society member because that's one of the things that we're taught and that's one of the things that we're trained to do very early on is to read and gather information through reading. So reading is really important of, of how we get this information. The societies, as I mentioned, are kind of common knowledge, but it's really what goes on inside the societies that have always been kept a secret. Hey, I'm John, Senator John Kerry, and I'm a member of Skull and Bones. Okay, what goes on? Well, I can't tell you, it's a secret. I'm a 33-degree member of the Freemasons. I'll let you know that. That's okay. Benjamin Franklin was a member of the Freemasons, a 33-degree member. Throughout history, our leaders were 33-degree members. They were proud of that membership. They used to wear uh, their Masonic garb in public. They were proud of membership. But when you ask them what went on inside, what did you learn, that's when it stopped. That's when, no, 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 no. I'll let you know that I'm a member, but not what I learned as a member. So we're coming forward, not just myself, but the friends that I brought along with me. We are now sharing with you this information. So I mentioned, how does this information taught to us? A little bit in lecture or workshop or seminar, primarily through reading. And the third method in which this information is shared is via one another, one-on-one -on -one communication with other people. Information is shared between one participant or one member to another member. Many of this is done one-on-one. -on -one. So there's a lines of communication, just like it has been done throughout history, where information has been passed down verbally. And in many cases, information is passed down verbally verbatim, although most of it is backed up in written form but it is passed down verbally, verbatim, which is really interesting. You start sitting down with somebody over a cup of coffee, and a lot of these society uh, meetings aren't so secret. You know, in, in recent times, it's very common for us to sit down at a, at a coffee shop and have a cup of coffee and be sharing things. And if you had, if you recorded that 20-minute conversation the information that went back and forth may go over the heads of 90% of the people, but the information between the society members, because we know what we're talking about, it's not in code, but we know what we're talking about, resonates perfectly and we get so much information that we can use in our real lives. So first is by uh, some workshop lecture, secondly, mostly by reading, 
particularly by one-on-one. -on -one. And the last method of learning is something that we don't do today very often, or we don't even use the words very often, although Donald Trump brought it out with his TV show, The Apprentice. How many times have you uh, heard apprentice in today's society? Uh, what are you doing? Well, I'm an apprentice. How many people say I'm an apprentice? That's how we learned everything throughout history. You, be, you got an apprenticeship. You wanted to be a plumber, you became an apprentice. You found a master plumber, you became his apprentice, and you learned from that master plumber. Go back and look at uh, uh, martial arts. Uh, go look at the Star Wars. You know, you had the Jedi Knight. The master Jedi Knight always had an apprentice. And it was a one-on-one -on -one training. Sometimes we call him, he's my mentor. Well, this is the fourth method in which the societies share information through a virtual apprenticeship program. And it's something that we just do not do today outside societies, outside the societies in the general population. But when you're in the society, you actually get a mentor and you become an apprentice. And you learn directly from one person. That's how you're trained. And the training is a lifelong experience. You're, you always have a mentor. Even when you are a mentor and you have an apprentice, you still always are an apprentice. Now, with that in mind, I want to talk about the first most important thing that we're taught based on this concept of how to learn. How did we learn this information, whether it's in the Masons, whether it's in the uh, Brotherhood, or the Illuminati, whether it's in the Skull and Bones, or any of the other hundreds of secret societies. How did we learn this information? First, we're taught that we have to be teachable. We have to be coachable. This is the first thing that we're trained. And actually, before you are even let in, as a member, sometimes it can take years before you are allowed in as, as a member. Now, some groups, like the, the Masons, you're allowed in very early, but you don't learn anything really until you get way up to the top. So even though you're in, you're not getting anything. You're just kind of going through the, almost the uh, interview process because if you join the Freemasons, very few people reach the 33 degree level. That's because they don't qualify. And what's the qualification of being a member of the Brotherhood or a member of these and getting to the highest levels and learning all the information? This is a key, by the way, because there are many people that are members, but very few reach the highest levels. What is the number one, the first and foremost qualification? And that is, are you teachable? Because if you're not teachable, if you're not coachable, you then disqualify yourself. So the first thing we're taught is, not are we great teachers, not are we great people, not are we so smart, but actually, do we know how dumb we are? Do we know how much we don't know? Do we know that I don't know what I don't know? Think about that statement. Ask yourself. 
Are you sitting there going, you know, I don't know what I don't know. I'm comp- I know nothing. And I'm going to listen to everything and I'm not going to challenge it by disagreeing. And I'm also not going to blindly follow it. I'm going to believe what you're saying must be true, but I am going to question it until I understand why it's true. You must be teachable. First most important thing today and tomorrow and throughout your life, understand this concept. If you get nothing else from today and tomorrow but this one concept I'm going to teach you right now, you will be better off, happier, more successful. You will achieve greater things faster than you could ever dream possible by learning this one simple concept. And that is you must be teachable. You must be coachable. How do you determine that? There's an index. There's a teachability index which will determine how teachable you are. And you must, I'll tell you, you must consider this all the time. You can't learn this concept right now and say, I got it. No, you're never going to get it. You're always getting it. Do you understand that? You're always getting it. How teachable are you? How coachable are you? So what's your teachability index? There are two variables when it comes to your teachability index. The first variable is what is your willingness to learn? On a scale of 1 to 10, if you're listening to this on CD, ask yourself, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much, how high is your willingness to learn this information? Now this teachability index is applied in life or any particular study. Let's say you want to learn a foreign language. You have to ask yourself, if you're going to succeed in learning a foreign language, you must be teachable. You must have a high teachability index, otherwise you're wasting your time. If you want to learn this information today and tomorrow, and all the other information that we'll provide to you, you must be teachable. That's why some people in the societies may have a high teachability index in the beginning, but later on they know everything, they stop becoming teachable. I've had uh, apprentices who have stopped being teachable. And they've, you know, I have one guy for example, he maxed out uh, his income, which is what you can quantify. His income was about a million bucks a year, and he stopped being teachable. He was still my apprentice, but I stopped teaching him because I'm waiting for him to become teachable again. Nothing more to teach, nothing more to give, because it's going in one ear and out the other. So you wait, and you go back to teachability index. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your willingness to learn this information? Again, if this was a language course, I'd say, what's your willingness to learn this language? So the question is, your wish is your command, how to manifest your desires, which we're teaching today, and tomorrow how anyone can make millions, the money-making secrets they don't want you to know about. What is your willingness to learn this information on a scale of 1 to 10? Now, obviously, the people here in the room, you spent $10,000, traveled some of you halfway around the world. 
had no idea who you were meeting, where you were going. They were blindfolded, of course, but this was just complete faith. And now you're blown away. I know you're doing backflips already from what you've seen. We haven't even started. So I know most of you here in the room probably have a high willingness to learn because you've shown it. Those who are listening on the CD, you didn't invest that much money. Some of you won't even listen to the whole CD package. You'll throw them under the bed or on the shelf and like every other course. But what is your willingness to learn on a scale of one to 10? What are you willing to do? How much time are you willing to really invest? How much money are you willing to invest? How much effort are you willing to put in? What is your willingness to learn? Some of you think, I'm a 10. I'm a 10. I have a 10 willingness to learn. But I got to go right now because I, there's a movie I want to see. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure, you have a high willingness to learn. You don't have a high willingness to learn. Are, are you willing not to watch TV for a week? Ooh, I didn't know it was going to be that hard. What is your willingness to learn? This may change from time to time, but think about it. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your willingness to learn? 10 is the highest, 1 is the lowest. Generally speaking, people think they have a high willingness to learn, but they don't. The real question is, what are you willing to give up to learn this? What's your favorite thing to do? Is it go to the movies? Is it go bowling? Is it uh, eating in nice restaurants? Is it uh, poker night? Is it watching TV? What is your favorite thing to do? Is it playing with your kids? What is your favorite thing to do? Are you willing to give that up for a week or a month or dramatically reduce that? Golfing? Some of you like golfing? Are you willing to put the golf clubs away for a year? <gasps> oh my God, I didn't know it was going to be that hard. What is your willingness to learn? If you don't have a high teachability index, hey, you're all apprentices to me right now, but I'm going to tell you, you're not all going to be Jedi Knights. You're not all going to be masters unless you have a high willingness to learn. And the willingness to learn scale is really the question. What are you willing to give up? So rate yourself right now on a scale of 1 to 10. Now the next variable, and this is even tougher than the first one, what is your willingness to accept change? What is your willingness to accept change? Because I'm going to tell you something. If you're not happy with where you're at right now, you have patterns. You have done things a certain way. You have, most importantly, you have thought a certain way. And that's going to have to change. What is your willingness to change the way you think, the way you feel about things, the way you think about things, and some of the things you do? What is your willingness to change? If you eat at McDonald's three times a week, what if I said, you're going to have to change that. You can't eat at McDonald's anymore. Ah! You can still eat food. What if I said that? And you love McDonald's. What is your willingness to accept change? Some of you think, well, I'm a 10 willingness to learn. I'm going to learn this. But change? No, no, no. I don't want to change anything in my life. Well, if your willingness, you're, if, you're, if your 
willingness to learn is a 10, but your willingness to accept change is a zero. 10 times zero is zero. You have a zero teachability index. You have to have a high willingness to learn and a high willingness to accept change to have a high teachability index. Those who have the highest basically say, I'll do whatever it takes to learn this. Whatever you say, I'll do. I'll give up anything, no problem. I have a high willingness to learn. This is my obsession to learn this. This is my number one priority to learn this. You have a 10 willingness to learn. And you say, I will change anything in my life and change any way of thinking. You have a 10 willingness to accept change. 10 times 10 is 100. You are the perfect student. You are my apprentice. Follow me in a short period of time. Every desire in your life will happen because you'll learn this better than anyone. Now I have to tell you, I had, when I started, a 10 and a 10, which is why I learned this so quickly. Because I came from nothing and I understood a basic concept when I was very young. A guy told me this early on in my training. He said something very profound. He said, Kevin, are you happy with where you're at? And I said, I want more. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm overweight. I'm just, just not comfortable in my skin. I'm struggling with finances. I want a different life. I want to wake up happy. I want to sleep with a big, I want to go to bed with a big smile on my face. I want to sleep beautifully all night long. I want to wake up excited for the light, my life. I want to accept the challenges that are, that are presented to me with gusto and enthusiasm and, and vigor and adventure. I want things to go smoothly and when they don't, I want to laugh at them. I want to just feel great no matter what the situation is. I want to have a healthy body and strong body. I want to be flexible and I want to get sick. I want to be able to go anywhere, do anything I want. I want to be fulfilled. I want to add value to society. I want to feel like I, 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 I have a, a purpose in life. I want to be excited when I look at a tree or a mountain or, or a stream. I want to enjoy experiences. I want to do things. Those were my desires. Yours may be different. He said, so you want things to be different in your life? I said, yes, I want things to be different. He says, Kevin, if you want things in your life to change, you're going to have to change things in your life. Think about that. Most profound statement I ever heard. If you want things in your life to change, you're going to have to change things in your life. What do you mean? He goes, you're going to have to do things different. You can't do the same thing all the time. If you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, you're an insane person. That's just not going to happen. If you want things in your life to change, if you want your circumstances to change, if you want everything to change and be better and different, then you're going to have to do things differently. You're going to have to change different things. You're going to have to change the things you're doing, the actions, but most importantly, you're going to have to change the way you think. Teachability index. How teachable are you? You're all becoming apprentices. You're all getting 
a mentor, and it's not me. I'm just the messenger of the information. Not an individual mentor. Later, as we set up things, which I may touch on later this weekend, you may have the ability to have a personal mentor and be an apprentice to somebody who is a master, one-on-one. -on -one. But that's not going to be available to everybody because not everybody qualifies. Not everyone has a high teachability index. I remember one time I was in a lecture with our group and I was sitting there and I thought, and I thought, because we, we, we go up and down, by the way, in our teachability index, because we're like a sponge. You know, we get a lot of information and when our sponge gets full, we can't take any, any more in and we stop being teachable. Do you understand that? So even if you have a super high uh, teachability index right now in three hours, your teachability index may go down because you may be overwhelmed, which is why I'm putting this on CD. So you can listen over and over again. Because, you know, you have to be able to absorb information. And when you're overwhelmed and you're processing all this new data, you stop being teachable. So, willingness to learn. What is your willingness to learn? And what is your willingness to accept change? And I remember one time when I started, I was super high in both of those categories. And after a while, I was absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. But I wasn't using the information and therefore, I couldn't take any more in. And I remember I was sitting there in a room, and a guy at the front of the room says to me, he says, uh, we had a group of people there, he says, I'm going to teach uh, a two-day seminar. And I was, I was sitting in Boston, Massachusetts at the time, where I was living. And he said, I'm going to teach a seminar. And this is back in the 80s, early 80s. He said, I'm going to teach a seminar. And the seminar, I'm going to teach you how to make a million dollars a year without ever leaving your house. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm definitely going to that seminar. He says, it's going to be in Los Angeles, California. And I said, I ain't going to that seminar. And he says, it's $5,000. This is back in the 80s. He says, it's $5,000. And I said, I'm definitely ain't going to that seminar. And, he, and that's what I'm thinking to myself. And he said, now for some of you in the room, Going to Los Angeles is too far, and $5,000 is too much money. So you won't go to the seminar. And that's why you'll always be a loser. And, I, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, wow, my willingness to learn just went down because I wasn't willing to invest the time, travel that distance, and invest that type of money to learn this information. My willingness to learn went down. And because I had been so slapped across the face a million times about teachability index, I knew that my teachability index was off and I was stuck. Because if you ain't teachable, if you ain't growing, you're dying. You never stay at the place you're at. You're actually going backwards. And I thought, I'm not teachable. Ah. So I said, I'm going. And I changed instantly my willingness to learn. It went back up to a 10 and I focused on my teachability index so that my, my willingness to learn was a 10, which means I was willing to invest, give up things, invest time and money and give things up. 
willingness to learn and my willingness to accept change, which means I was willing to listen and change and do things different. And the information I learned in that seminar, I didn't make a million dollars the next year. I made two and a half million dollars the next year. And actually in only eight months without ever leaving the house. The information I learned. And by the way, I wasn't the top earner from that seminar, which really annoyed me because I thought I was, I was the person with the highest teachability index, but obviously there was some, some other people that were even higher than me. So what's your teachability index? What's your willingness to learn on a scale of one to 10? What's your willingness to accept change? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to invest in money? What are you willing to invest in time? And what is your willingness to accept change? Are you willing to do things different? Are you willing to do things different? And are you willing to think differently? That's the question. We're gonna take a short break. For those of you on the CD, this is the end of this CD. We'll see you at the next CDs. And for those of you here, we'll see you in a few minutes.